praise the Lord. So glad we have a rock in these kind of times. Amen. I trust you're doing well. Fighting the devil. Winning or losing? Winning. Rest of you still trying to figure it out if you're losing or winning. Amen. Well, we got to win now, friends. We got to we got to keep hanging in there and, and winning. That's right. We're we're living in certainly difficult times. Let me tell you about a few things I hate. I hate masks. I hate social distancing. I hate not being able to hug necks. I hate not being able to shake hands. But I love going to church. So if I have to wear a mask to go to church, guess what I'm gonna do? Huh? Praise the Lord. It's against my religious rights. You ain't got no religious rights to wear or not wear a mask. Come on, be sensible. You're stubborn. Some folks just hard-headed and stubborn. That's the bottom line. Dear Jesus, well, I'll see y'all tomorrow. I've done ruin it, ain't I? <laughs> Look, friends, to me, going to church is worth so much. I believe we need it now more than ever before. Praise the Lord. I just count it such a privilege for us to be able to be together. And I appreciate you helping us during these times. I know it's difficult times. It's uh, certainly not the way we would like for it to be. And, uh, but we'll, we'll make it through. God will help us. And we just try to flex as much as we can and, and bend as much as we can. And I realize um, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus told us that troublesome times would come and commotions was one of the words that he used and unstable times but I have to be honest with you I never thought it'd be quite like anything like this did you I didn't know exactly what it would be but I'm certainly a lot of this stuff has taken me by surprise I'm sure as it has you but I find out a lot of folks are kind of manifesting things about themselves that's um, uh, you know you think, okay, well, maybe that's one reason why a lot of this is uh, coming the way that it is. But I know one thing. When it's all said and done, I want to be a bright, shining light. I want to be a better Christian. I want to maintain my testimony for the cause of the Lord Jesus. And keep in mind that as we press on to this challenging time that we're living in, that these difficult situations many times is what brings out points about us that we would have never known had not those things been there then really they turn out to be for our good don't they whenever we're crossed a little bit you know we kind of get out of our normal thing and uh, you know we don't we don't like that do we but the real people of God just keep on going we just do whatever we've got to do and just, just keep right on going. We were here before COVID. We will be here after it's over. Praise the Lord. That's right. We were actually in God's mind before the devil, and when the devil is gone, we'll still be there. So. That's right. God bless you. Oh, it's just so good to see you tonight. I just wish I could hug every one of you next. And, well, except for your sisters, I wouldn't want to do that. But, I mean, at least shake your hand anyway. Um, God bless you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Praise the Lord.
I'm so glad that our dear Lord Jesus was willing to consider this great price that he would have to pay and leave so much of his comfort zone that we can't even imagine it, really. I guess that's what gets me about things when people are asked to bend just a little bit, you know, and they get all ruffled up and you hope it's eagle feathers, but sometimes you wonder if it's chicken or crow or what it is, you know. But when you look at the Lord Jesus and see how much he was willing to bend and become for our benefit, it makes me ashamed of myself. Let's read this together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Wow. Awesome. Having a high priest over the house of God. Which up to that time had been a building. But now Paul is referring to a mystical house. Not a place like this. Having a high priest over the house of God. Now this is the way we're supposed to approach it then if we are that people. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Mama. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. You're talking about a miracle. Amen. Something sprinkled you and divided you from part of yourself. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Both of these are within you. So it's not like that you were just separated from cussing and drinking and, you know, all that sort of thing out there. But this separation is taking place from within yourself. Having our hearts sprinkled. Now remember, he's taken the shout on the type of the Old Testament. Now that they sprinkled the book and the people and the tabernacle with the blood of a bullock. But now he's saying that our hearts were sprinkled from an evil conscience. A conscience that actually was within our body. It made us think evil, love evil, do evil, want to do evil. And then something sprinkled our hearts and separated our hearts from an evil conscience. Praise be to God. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast 
the profession of our faith without wavering. And this is the reason. For he is faithful that promised. How many believes that? For he is faithful that promised. I mean, a lot to be remembered tonight. Don't you count it an honor for us to be, be together? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, how we thank you tonight, Father, once again, that we're able to assemble ourselves together. Lord, forgive us for complaining. and I, I just it don't feel right, Lord, for us to not all be together. And don't feel right for us to not be able to shake hands and hug one another's necks. And Lord, to be able to, we have to worry about standing six foot distance or having an old mask on our face. It just ain't right. Just ain't the way we was made. Lord, I pray that you'd help us through these times, Father. How we long. We would have never thought that we would have longed for a day when we could just shook a brother's hand or hugged a brother's neck or sisters one to the other. My, my, it was so common to us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for church not being able to have to worry about, well, is it my night to come? No, it's A through K tonight, and then it'll be everybody else tomorrow. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. How long, Lord God, were we able to come to church? Oh, Jesus, forgive us, Father. May it be more precious to us, I pray. Lord God, but we're here to serve you, do the best we can. Father, I pray that you'd take the service. Help me, Lord, to get out of the way. Speak through me, Lord, to your people. We love you with all of our hearts, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. So appreciate you so much. Brother Lewis, you say, Brother and Sister Altman is here. I don't see him. Right in the middle. Okay. Okay. God bless y'all. So glad to, glad to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. So glad you're doing better, Brother Wade. Trust that surgery is getting better. Sister Ann, I hope you're doing better too. Y'all, y'all been sitting up here. What are you doing back there? I mean, I'll tell you what, this new arrangement thing is messing me up bad. <laughs> I want you to think with me for a bit tonight of our reconciliation being made so possible by one who was so willing to deny himself. You know, Brother Branham, even with the great mysteries that God allowed him to speak, but yet he spent so much more time speaking about our humanity and our weaknesses and things that all of us are plagued with. And I recall him saying that the Lord Jesus paid such a price and went through so much. And he said that he asked us just to do a little something or give up a little something. And we just act like it's the office burden 
in the office difficulty that ever was. And all, and it's it's something about unregenerate man that looks at what he does give God and acts like it is so much. And what God wants more of, he acts like that it's such a big price. Why would God ever unfairly ask him to give such a thing? But in reality, when we look at the price that our Lord Jesus paid for us, not just at the cross, but every day of human life, every minute of human existence was such a sacrifice. I've been studying about him, reading his word since I was a 12-year-old boy. Just turned 64 this week. Don't take much of a mathematician to figure out how many years that is. But the further I go, the more I realize I probably have barely got a little symbol full of the greatness of Almighty God. And the more I read and the more that I see, the more I realize how little I perceive of His greatness. Now, I realize many folks around the message have a know-it-all attitude, and you can certainly tell it when you get around them. But I've learned myself, a know-it-all attitude gets you nowhere. But it's an attitude that remains teachable in the presence of God is always what excels us and brings us to a place of greatness and the power of God. And as I read these things about him and see and try to, in my own feeble way, process the greatness of giving up all that he was, his pre-incarnate life, in a world that he shared a little bit of it with us and said, Father, I pray that you would Give me back the glory that I had with you before the world ever began. There must have been this longing which was still in his supernatural being. Now remember, this was not Jesus as a man saying this because Jesus as a man never existed before his pre-incarnation. But it was the Son, the Logos. Amen. Jesus had a day started. This is why he could die. But the Logos could never die. The eternal could never, ever die. But for the eternal to move into this time capsule, called a human body and beheld a prisoner. So not just the cross, not just Gethsemane, not just giving his life, but every moment of every day, every night that he laid on the ground 
with no comfortable mattress. Every night that he was out under the stars, I would wake up in the morning with the dew on his blanket and his hair being wet from the dew of the morning. Every day that he would eat earthly meals, every bad word that people would call him, every reference of being a Beelzebub, of being illegitimate, of being the low caste of humanity and society. From the time that he took his breath on the first day of his existence until the last day of his mortal existence, it was a sacrifice. To live 30 years on the earth as a man without the Holy Ghost, every moment of that existence was a sacrifice. To feel the trauma, the anxiety, the suffering of humiliation. The prophet tells us there when he responded, whenever the people had rebuked him, and Jesus responded back, and the prophet said in the way, that he said it, that his face got red. And Jesus felt embarrassed. Can you imagine Almighty God being embarrassed and feeling shame and humiliation? And he asked us to give up a little something. Quit your smoking. Quit your music that's wrong or Lay aside filthy magazines or, you know, whatever it would be. And oh my, we just act like we're giving up the world. No, in reality, we don't have a clue what real sacrifice is even all about. And one thing that makes me love him so much, that even after my conversion, and me still captured in this body called time, that he understands the weakness that I still have. In my soul, I am touched from another world. In my soul, I have deity inside of me tonight. Praise God, you do too. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got deity on the inside of your body. But that body itself is so weak and so feeble and so powerless without him. How could we exist one day without him in our life? So he does not mediate for us whenever we are lost and then stop the mediation after we become children of God, but the extension of the mediation will go until the very day that we either go by the way of death or we go by the way of the rapture. Now Paul identifies what the Lord Jesus did here in Hebrews 10, if you haven't read Hebrews 10 in a while, it'll do you good with this uh, thought that we're going through. Let's look again at verse 20. 
And Paul says, by a new and living way. Now remember, this setting is around 64 AD. So even as far as numerically, just counting the years, it's been just a few years, 33 AD. So it's been 30, 31 years, something like that, that the Lord Jesus had given his life. So it was relatively new in the span of time. But it's not just new as far as how long it had been. Let me just tell you tonight, it's still new. To a real believer, it's just as alive tonight as it was the very day they met the Lord Jesus, even if it's been 50 years ago. And this is what the new way would actually do other than the law or the Torah, the Old Testament, the Paschal Lamb, the goat, all of those sort of things which have become ritualistic without feeling cold. It would become, you know, calculated over and over and over again. They've done it. And it become a very old, out-of-date, commonplace type of thing. But a real believer that is in love with the Lord Jesus, it is still a new and a living way. Notice the two words that Paul uses to identify this, and he says by a new, one of the words, and living, another one of the words, way which he has consecrated for us. Notice now, the new and the living way is Christ, which was the God-man. The mediator coming between God and man, this is the new way. So Christ is the living way in opposition to the dead way of the paschal sacrifice. Now they could not really worship God with that animal being alive. If they would go into the outer court and they would go through the process and they walked in there and they brought that animal out alive, it meant their sins were not expiated. The only way there could be a transfer of those sins was they walked in with the lamb, turtle dove, pigeon, and they walked out empty-handed. And what that meant was that sacrificial lamb or dove or turtle dove, pigeon, whatever it was, it had given its life at the hand of the high priest. But now we have a new and a living way. May I say, it's not only new and living, but it is a much better way. Now in that it is that God not only wants to expiate or annihilate the believer's sins, but he wants to purge them from an old conscience or an old nature. Now, if you're familiar with the message, Fisher Home, you know when the prophet gets into that sermon pretty good, he has a, a chalkboard up there at the tabernacle and he takes a piece of chalk and he goes to drawing two human hearts. And he said, I'm a very poor artist and we don't know exactly what it looked like. I've talked to some folks that were there, but he kind of drawed a heart looking thing and then he drawed something that was on the inside of one and something on the inside of the other. Now he said, this one has got a snake in it. And this one over here has got the Holy Spirit. Now he said, what comes out of this heart is evil and adultery and he named a bunch of different things. And he said, what's causing this to come out of this heart is actually what's in the heart, which was the snake. 
Now he said, out of this one comes forgiveness and love and mercy and so on. Now he said, what's causing it is what's inside the heart. Now, no matter how much we try to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit lying, and we modify our language and we, you know, change our clothes and we dress decent and we no longer do this and that and the other, you can do all of that and still have the snake inside your heart. Now, there are things that we must do. We know that. But we must be changed in order for God to recognize it that the snake is gone and the dove has come inside of our hearts. Because even if you lay aside smoking, you lay aside drinking, you lay aside all of this and that and the other, and you've not had a change of beast power inside of your heart, you're still not right with God. You just quit drinking, you quit smoking. A lot of folks do that when they're diagnosed with cancer. A lot of folks quit doing it. I had a cousin of mine years and years ago, and he had a situation with his heart. He smoked for years and years, and they told him, if you don't quit that, it's going to kill you. He quit cold turkey. I mean, he had smoked since he was a little boy, and he made up his mind he wasn't going to do it no more because the doctors told him it was going to kill him. It wasn't because the Holy Ghost come inside of there. It wasn't because he had a determination. He looked at it. He's a strong sort of a fellow. He made up in his mind, it ain't worth me dying. Go to a premature grave, leave my wife, my children my grandchildren he quit smoking all times people are able to do all kinds of things because they realize it's just not worth it but does that mean the snake left her heart and the dove came in it does not but if the dove does come in you will quit smoking you will quit drinking. You will quit lying. Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because the beast power in your heart has now changed. So it's not just, well, I don't do this no more, and I don't do that no more, and I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. you still got the snake inside of your heart because you're talking about what you're trying to do. Instead of letting the Holy Ghost do it through you, you're still trying to do it. Now, you're trying to be a better person. Well, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. You cannot use psychology. This is not a psychological way. This is a new and living way, not an educational way. Come on, children. It is not quoting the scriptures. It is not quoting the prophet. It is a new and living way, and the sacrifice actually comes back inside of you. Now, as long as a person has a snake inside of their heart, it is totally impossible for the death to come and reside in their heart at the same time. Totally impossible. It will not happen. But a person with the snake in their heart can do a lot of good works. They can do a lot of good things. I mean, there's no question about it. Surely we're all convinced by now that some men have got up and preached and they preach really good sermons. There's no doubt in my mind that we've sat under men and heard really good preachers preach really good sermons and we found out years later they were standing right there with this doing it with a snake inside of their heart and wasn't really born again because the gift being anointed has nothing to do with the birth of the soul. Everybody said amen. Songwriters can write beautiful lyrics. My musicians can make beautiful music and still have a snake inside of their heart. 
Praise the Lord. But the beast power that's inside of you will eventually come into the kingship of your soul and it will dominate your life and you will eventually give over to the king that's inside the throne of your heart. And we know then that what he wanted to do was make a new way and a living way. So it would not be any longer the killing of the sacrifice over and over again and neither would it be the letter which also kills. Now look, so the Torah which was the law and then of course the Jews divided it up into the Torah and the Mishnah and they said that the, you know one was the written law the first five books of Moses and then they said well there's another phase of that law and that is really it's unwritten. So it's people that came after the prophet and told what the prophet meant. Yeah we've got some of them around the message as well. So we've got, we've got them same groups. But you realize by the time the Lord Jesus came they had it so divided and so split but it was not going to be a dead lamb, a dead ox, a dead bird, and a dead law. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But there must be a change in sacrifice and there will also be a change in the commandments of the word. Now whenever it is a living way with a living word, with a living sacrifice, with a living lamb, then that lamb gets inside of your and my soul and he takes his word and he makes that word alive. And it's no longer, oh, I gotta quit drinking. Oh, I've gotta quit doing this. I've gotta quit lying. If I, that preacher told me if I'm going to heaven, I can't run around no more. And I can't commit adultery. Oh, no. Oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Well, see, the word is still a law to you. It's still a drudgery. It is a dread. But what the Lord wants it to do is for the life of the lamb to get inside of you and then he quickens that law, that logos, and it makes it a rhema word, which is a word with a living voice. And then it's not, oh no, I gotta go to church. Oh no, I need to pay my tithes. Oh no, I can't gossip no more. Oh no, 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 no. That's not the way it is. It is a new way, a living way, a living word, a living Christ, a resurrected being living inside of you and you are not dead and neither is he dead. And neither is his worship dead and neither is his church dead. So it is a new way, a living way, and a living people. And Peter went on to say that we were lively stones in this building of the Lord. So we are not monuments, praise God. We are not statues that stand around and we never move. But we are lively stones, amen. Our hands move. And our feet get to moving around a little bit. And our mouths go to move. Amen. We worship and praise and adore because it is a living way. So in here actually those that move into this living way will never die. Now it was a new way in this the way that the Lord Jesus came in that he was not the first one to actually enter into heaven. We know that Moses of course was was uh, was buried and, and he rose again and he entered into a phase of heaven and we 
we know that Enoch was carried into heaven. And we know that Elijah was actually carried away into heaven on a, a bunch of spiritual horses and a chariot. But the Lord Jesus was able to enter into the sphere of heaven that Moses could not go. Moses was not allowed to go into the place the Lord Jesus did. Now, if Moses would have went into the holiest place of heaven, if any mortal which would have been changed by the power of God could have went straight into the holiest place of heaven, then the blood of the Lord Jesus would not have been necessary to go into the presence of God and make a way for us. But they were there in an area which was held, right? We know the saints even now in the sixth dimension, where are they? Peter, to this day, has not seen the Lord Jesus. Paul, to this day, has not seen the Lord Jesus. None of the apostles, none of the martyrs down through the apostolic church ages have seen the Lord Jesus, but they are actually in the sixth dimension under the altar. Remember the prophet said, where's the Lord Jesus? I want to see him. He's a little bit higher. So the saints of God were still gathered under the altar. Praise the Lord. And remember, Brother Branham never mentioned nothing about seeing Paul there. He never mentioned nothing about seeing Luther or Wesley or any of the Pentecostal people. The only people that Brother Branham saw that he makes note of to us was his own people, which would convince us then that they are gathered even in the church ages in the sixth dimension that there must be ranks or separations and they are there with their people. Because remember the voice said, you have been gathered together with your people. And Brother Branham thought, and he was not in, in the Theophany, but just translated. And he said, he thought, are all these Branhams? Because he said, your people, he still had so much humanity, he was thinking the way that a human would think. Oh, my people, Reagans or Schultz? No, these are not Branhams, but these are your converts to Christ. I'd rather be his people that way than to be a, a, a nephew or a great nephew. Praise the Lord. That's right, because that's really his people. So Paul's people must have been in the sixth dimension, but in another division where they were gathered under the church age messenger. And the same with all the other ages. Now whenever the Lord Jesus was the only one, then that was able to make this new and living way right up into the presence of God to become our intercessor. So he's the first one one, that he lived on the earth as a human and be able to be moved from the realm of mortality by the power of God into the realm of immortality and become a pledge for us. Notice this, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us. So he consecrated this for us, notice how he done it, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So the human nature of Christ was the very veil that God used. Now remember hanging there in the great temple as it was, that beautiful thick veil that it took, my, my, many, many priests, Josephus says, even to be able to move the thing. And whenever it was torn too from the top to the bottom, it took many, many priests to be able to sew it back together again. Why did God do this? Because the real veil was being torn on the cross. The veil of his humanity, when they ran the spear in his side and blood and water came forth and the spirit of God, of course, had long gone from him and he's, he cries out, into thy hands I commit my spirit. So three elements leaves the body of the Lord Jesus, water, blood, spirit. What does the new birth consist of? Water, blood, 
blood and spirit. Three elements came out. How do we get back in? Oh, I believe God sent a prophet. That wasn't what come out of the side of Jesus. Well, I joined the church. That wasn't what come out of the side of Jesus. Well, I don't cut my hair. That wasn't what come out of the side of Jesus. It was water, blood, and spirit. How do we get back into him? Water, blood, and spirit. Praise the Lord. By doing this, now the veil is rent in twain. When the veil is rent, it brings God into plain view there on the cross. It also makes a way by which the perpetuation has now the price has been paid. And it releases the very pure created blood of God out of the human body of the Lord Jesus. And it allows the blood cell now to be broken and come back on the worshiper. Well, the worshiper, if God could ever purchase, purchase the worshiper and wash him and cleanse him, but not only redeem him as Ruth was redeemed, but be able to release in the worshiper something that would go inside of him and replace his inward desire to sin. Look at Moses, a great man, a man that loved God, a great servant of God, overcome with anger. Look at David, overcome with adultery. Look at him. My, my, in the Old Testament, they loved God with all their hearts, but they had the seed, but they didn't have the germ of life to be able to quicken it to bring them to a new birth. Oh, how blessed we are tonight to be able to sit in the house of God, not only to have the seed, but to also have the new birth by which the life of the Lamb itself has come back into our soul and purchased our conscience and taken us away from that old evil desire that we were born in. What happened? That snake left our heart and when the snake vacated its den the Holy Spirit turned it into a throne for the Lamb of God a throne for the dove of the Spirit of God to live in our souls oh hallelujah he now consecrated the way back into the holiest of all through the veil of his flesh. Notice verse 21, Paul says, and having a high priest over the house of God. Now remember, this fits under the order of Melchizedek, not under the order of Aaron. Under the, or uh, under the order of Aaron, rather, and the Levitical order, it was they were over an order, all right, but it was not, not called this very same thing because it was a tabernacle. Actually, Aaron never actually got to minister into a temple, but a tabernacle of witness, or the tabernacle of the congregation as it was called, foreshadowing a day when God would have a solid structure that would be on the earth. And it's amazing how the glory of God works. And you would think as it kept getting higher and higher and closer to the image that it would look more glorious and more splendor to the eyes. But look at the tabernacle, a very humble structure. It was made of course of the outer court, and then the holy place, and then the holy of holies, and inside of there was the great Shekinah of God, which only the high priest saw. And the children of Israel saw the pillar of fire as it would hang over it. Oh, what a glorious thing it was. Yet you look at Solomon's temple and how it was elevated so much higher. And the glory of God comes in and fills the temple. Look when Nehemiah rebuilt it in Ezra and they dedicate the house of God. Look at Herod's temple as it's remodeled, 46 years in the making. But notice, then when God comes on the earth and God God enters into his humanity, which was the greatest temple of all. We have no witness of the people other than the prophet of God himself seeing any heavenly sign 
There was no historian, Philo, none of the historians, Tacitus, none of the rest of the Roman historians, Greek historians, none of the rest of them of that era and time make any type of notable spot in history that there was a pillar of fire that came over this tabernacle, that there was angels that came down, that lights and beams and rays of light was saw coming from the Lord Jesus, but it was an old guy standing down there that was hated, ridiculed and made fun of hallelujah and he said the spirit of God told me upon whom you shall see the spirit of God descending that is he that baptizes with the Holy Ghost now here was God's greatest temple God's greatest achievement in the approach of worship and one man one man sees it now, are you sure you can take his word for this? There's no history. Search on the internet. Do a Google search. See how many saw it that day with John. Search all the historians you want to. Search Philo. Search Josephus. Tacitus. Search all the different ones during this time. And see if there was any that made any great note that here it was. We heard about it. This great thing happened. And you mean to tell me you folks are still going to take one man's word for it? Well, it looks like to me if all them people was down there that day, wouldn't there be a whole lot more people see it? Not necessarily. If God wanted one person to see it, and that's all he wanted to see it, guess what? If there's 10,000 there, they wouldn't have seen it because it was the will of God. You mean you are going to take one man's word for that? That he saw the Spirit of God? I am. Well, it all depends on who the man is. I done found out a long time ago, everybody's going to follow somebody. All those that criticize us and say we follow men, some of these folks who've left the message, I'm tired of following man. You know what? All they've done is just traded men. Now they're following this man and that man or this woman and that woman. And, you know, they got their favorite TV preacher now. This preacher says it's all right to drink six beers because you don't get drunk on six. So that's, that's okay to do that. Yeah, I've seen it preacher not long ago, a former message preacher, sitting there with his short britches on and a beer in his hand, because now he's following somebody else. Well, that's the difference when you leave a prophet of God's message, you see. When you leave a prophet of God's message and you go out into wilderness, that's exactly what it produces. So everybody's going to follow somebody. Well, hallelujah. So I'm not ashamed to tell you tonight who I follow. I follow Jesus Christ and him crucified. But in that I follow Jesus Christ, I follow him as he's chosen to manifest himself by the men that he sent upon the earth. I'm not ashamed to tell you, nor YouTube, nor the whole world, nor the internet. I am identified with the prophetic ministry of William Marion Branham. Praise be to God. Call him a liar. Call him a devil. Call him whatever you want to call him. I call him a prophet of God and I'm looking to see him after a while. And I am going to go in on his teaching because I believe he saw me over there. Hallelujah. I believe he saw me identified. And you know what I was saying over there? I'm going to go in on your teaching. You know what I'm saying here? I'm going in on your teaching. So I'm waiting for me and me to get together and I'll meet the real me finally at last. I'm not ashamed to be identified. Anybody else in your listening? Notice this. Paul says, having a high priest over the house of God. Wow. 
So now we have a priest over a house which is not a normal house. So it's not a building, but it is a building. And it's a temple, but it's not a temple. It's not an ordinary temple. And it's not just one temple, but it's many temples baptized into one mystical body. Praise the Lord. Notice this, having a high priest over the house of God. So the church of God, which the Lord Jesus is over, not the denomination, but the real church of God. So he is prophet, priest, and king over this house of God. He is the owner of this house. This house belongs to him. Notice then in verse 22, now the conclusion of these verses, that Paul says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let me tell you something, friend, this scripture is applicable in this troublesome time that we're living in. Oh my, you can't really tell what the government's going to do. You can't, you don't really know what the CDC is going to do or the who's who, who. The who says one thing this week and a month from now they'll say something else. Come on, don't look at me cross-eyed. The CDC told us one thing three months ago and now they're telling us something else. Praise the Lord. But God, our God, we have the one basis by which we are able to place the ultimate of our confidence in Him and know that when you get up tomorrow that God won't get up and say you know what everything I said last night was totally wrong I thought it through after Donnie preached it and I've changed my mind about the whole sermon God won't come right down the other way and say you know what oh man I messed up big time I I didn't realize William Branham was going to get off at the end I should have never vindicated that man I should have never sent them angels down there I should have never given him thousands times thousands times thousands of discernments I should have never let him call people out I should have never let him call that woman out and tell her I see you going up to your steps and you got three steps to go up to your front door you live in 333 East West Street and your name is so and so so and so and you've been to a doctor heavy set and he wears glasses and he ain't got no hair God said oh I shouldn't have done that I should have never done that no God knew what that man would do God knew what that man would preach and what they say he got off on the end is where we say it turned a corner and started going this way even higher than it was before well praise the Lord why because the opening of the seals was not revealing William Branham it was revealing Jesus Christ calling the bride to a higher place Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, people say, well, I like y'all's music, and I even like some of the things that preacher says. If y'all didn't worship that man, worship a man? What you talking about? I've told you before, a man wanted to meet me here several years ago. Brother Jim Coleman said, there's a guy here that had some questions. And he come to the library and wanted me to meet him. So I come in the door, and he was out here. And I come in, how do you do? How are you? My name is Donnie Reagan. He told me his name. I noticed him acting really strange. Looking around, we come up here and say, I said, well, what do you got on your mind? He just kept looking and looking. So I said, 
Well, what is it that you're looking for? So I'm looking for the statue. Because I was told that y'all worship a statue. I said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Whoever it was that told you that, when you go back the next time you see them, tell them I said, they're a liar. And they will go to hell for telling and spreading lies. I said, we don't worship a statue. We do give adoration to a stature. The stature of the perfect man, which is Christ Jesus. We don't worship a statue. Anybody erect a statue of William Branham in this place, you're going to have me to answer to. Praise the Lord. Oh, no, we don't worship no statues. We don't worship one of Moses or Elijah or nobody else. There's only one person that we worship around here, and that's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our adoration, our love, our praise goes to him. We do acknowledge his prophet's servant because they know what he told us in spoken words original seed. What is it? Page, uh, page 115, I believe. Uh, spoken words original seed that you can only serve God on earth as God's servant who sent on earth interpret God's word to you. You can only serve God on earth as God's servants that sent on the earth interpret God's word to you. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know about you. I had my Bible ever since I was a wee little boy, but I didn't understand it. I did not see it. I've not got away from my Bible. I love my Bible now more than ever before. But what I needed was some understanding. Malachi 4 was not sent to replace my Bible. It was sent to put me on some spectacles of understanding so I would be able to look at it and see there's not three there's not two there's only one it's the same person all the time just changing his mask praise God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled Sprinkle. Now remember in Exodus whenever Moses went up and got the law and he brought it back and then he killed a bullock and he took so much of the blood and put it in a basin and he sprinkled the blood on the book and then he sprinkled the blood on the people. By the blood they entered into a covenant with God and God said this is my covenant. They Actually if you can understand it they become espoused. They entered into a betrothal agreement with God. But here he's not taking his literal blood. And he's not taking his literal blood and sprinkling it on you. Or taking his literal blood and sprinkling it on a Bible. Or a portion of the Bible called the New Testament. (laughs) But he releases the power that's in the blood. The cell. The life. And instead of giving you a literal drop of the blood which is personally yours. He gives you something greater. Now what if each one of us, if there was enough of the blood in the body of the Lord Jesus, that each one of us had a drop. And instead of us giving us the Holy Ghost, He would have given us a little drop of chemistry. And we'd have carried it and we'd have held it, but all we'd had would have been chemistry. And we still had no power to live right, no power to overcome. And every time the devil would come around, devil, look at that! Back off, devil! But your desire to sin would still bend down in here. 
Don't misunderstand me now. Don't misquote me. What he gave you is actually better than giving you literal chemistry. There's millions of people that have been saved because they believe and accept the Lord Jesus as Savior. There was not enough blood in that body. Oh, it's I'm washed in the blood. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's a metaphor. We know that. It's a metaphor. And it is something that symbolizes. He gave you something better than the chemistry of his blood. The chemistry of his blood would not have made a living way. It would have not made you a living word. Notice this in Hebrews 1.1. Can I have a few, few more minutes? Oh, thank you, Lord. God, who in sundry times and diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his word or his son, whom he hath appointed Heir of all things. Now notice this. He was not appointed heir till after he become manifested in the form of humanity and thereby gained the title as son of man. Remember what went out of the eternal way back in the spheres of eternity was the Logos, God giving birth to a son. But he was not a human. It was not a mortal body. It was an issue from the eternal which could stand between visible and invisible. So it was the visibility of the invisible God represented in the attribute which God could call himself. Glory to God. So God chose in the last days to speak unto us by his son whom he hath appointed appointed given appointment, appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. But now God did not make the worlds by the humanity of Jesus. You understand that? But he made the worlds by his word. So before he was Jesus, he was word. (laughs) You don't remember, but so was you. Come on now, I know it chokes you, but just take your hands and wash it down and it goes down quicker. You was thought before you was word. And you was word before you was human. Now he was thought, then he became Logos, son slash word. Then later he becomes manifested, pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, angel different appearances here and there and there and there. Then he becomes Jesus, a man. Now the prophet said, we don't hear no more of Melchizedek because later he became Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Notice so by his son as incarnate appearance in human nature. Now God chose before this to speak to us by the prophets. Now, in saying this, Paul is not saying that God don't have prophets no more after that because God still had prophets in the New Testament. 
Amen. But the prophet's commission was extended no farther than being able to express the very thought of God or a special message that God had given for their time or sometimes it would be correlated with the time they were in and then a prophetic utterance that would be years and years on down the road. But a prophet could not be given this position as heir of all things. The prophets could not be placed positionally and the order of Melchizedek. They were simply the mouthpiece of God. So God needed a further perfect, more, oh glory, more divine way that would reveal himself than the prophets. Hallelujah. So God had already purposed this in his being that he would bring it forth through a son called Jesus. Now when a son speaks, He speaks with the full authority of the Father. Moses never did say, I and my Father are one. Moses never did say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Only the Son could say that. So notice now when God chose to speak through the Son, it was the perfect revealing of all that he was through Moses, through Jeremiah, through David, and much, much more. Hallelujah. Now he chooses to speak to us in the last day by his son, or the incarnate expression of the word, by whom, or rather through whom, he made the worlds. Now, actually, the Logos became the agency or instrumentality by which the eternal created all things. Now, what I'm doing right now is thinking my sermon. Are my thoughts helping you all? Really? Not a bit. Y'all are totally in the dark. So I need an agent, right? And you need an agent. So my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts are the same thing as what I'm fixing to say to you. But I need an agent, a channel of communication. And that I won't be the only one blessed. <laughs> Well, I'll be blessed. I'll be blessed by thinking of these thoughts, but it won't do you all a whole lot of good, all these folks that are streaming. And they're saying they're trying to figure out, what in the world is he thinking about? What did this, this COVID, it's went to his head. It's drove the poor guy crazy. No, I'm just enjoying my thoughts. I'm just having a wonderful time fellowshipping with my thoughts. Man, I'm just smiling, and then I'm frowning, and then I'm looking so serious, and then I'm dramatizing. But I'm not saying one thing. But if I can be able to channel my thoughts in an agency or a channel by which I can relate my thoughts and communicate, I, I, let's say it this way, that I, I will choose to reveal myself and my thoughts through my word. 
Ah, then if I choose to reveal my thoughts through my word, then you will become enlightened to my thoughts. And because my thoughts are not just about me, but they are also about you, then if I'm standing here and I'm just thinking about you and thinking wonderful things and thinking of the great things that God has done for you, it don't do you no good. You don't know if I'm looking at you, if I'm making fun of you when I smile, or if I'm looking at you and I'm so happy because I'm thinking these wonderful thoughts about you because you really don't know but if I could somehow be able to break into a realm and, and I remember now this go back before before time ever began and this is the eternal he's so wonderful he's so great no one could ever understand it but he wants to express himself and he has all of his thoughts all of this bottled up in him but he needs a channel he needs a way by which he can communicate himself and by condescending by condescending he will oh hallelujah he will express Express himself. So he chooses word. Now I definitely become more vulnerable when I speak. If I think the wrong thought, I'm the only one that knows it. But if I say the wrong thing, all of you know it. And I'll definitely get emails about it. Because some folks, that's the only reason they come to church, I reckon, you know, is to be able to hear the wrong thing that a preacher says. So God knows that by condescension and bringing himself to the state of word, that it actually makes himself more vulnerable. And he opens up his being to criticism. He opens up his being to being totally misunderstood because he's going to say what he's been thinking. But unless people get on the same channel as his thoughts, they'll totally misunderstand him. They'll totally misrepresent him. They will accuse him. They will do this and that and the other. But he wanted to express himself so much. He said, I am willing to accept the fact of humiliation. I am willing to be misunderstood because I I want to be loved. I want to love. I want to reveal myself. And I choose word. Praise God. Notice this. He hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So God's medium, God's channel in creation was the Logos, the Son. The word worlds here actually literally means in the Greek, ages, was all things and persons belonging to them, the universe. So it includes all space, all ages of time, all material and spiritual existences, of every being. <laughs> Glory to God. So he appointed his word to be heir of all things. And he says, for after all, it is by my word, the son of myself, that I have made all things. And he gave him a masculine gender. Now I realize we're living in a day when folks don't like masculine or feminine. They want it to be an it. I wasn't born an it. I was born a boy, which turned me into a man. Right? 
You sisters was born girls. At least was I hope you was. So that turns you into little girls and bigger girls and then somewhere in there you're turned into women. That's the way God made us. Male and female created he them. I don't care what America says. I don't care. That's not socially acceptable, Brother Donnie. I really don't care. It's God acceptable. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the word was given the designation of him. For by him was all things made that was made. Now notice verse 3. Oh my, we're coming to a spot here. We got to close. Who being the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person. In other words, it was the visible manifestation by which the glory is revealed personally to human beings. It means a reflected splendor. Now, no doubt we have all looked up at the rays of the sun and the beams of the sun. And we know that to look at it very long, they actually warn us not to do so. Because it can make you go blind. Even in the eclipse, whenever it comes, we're supposed to wear special glasses. You see, this is one major difference between us and the world. They didn't get the Malachi 4 glasses. We did. We slip them on and say, glory to God. I mean, we was looking up at the throne and we saw two or three. and All of a sudden, we slip them glasses on. They all lined up in one. My goodness, then we was no longer confused about the serpent seed or can women preach or is there an eternal hell? My goodness, once I slipped them glasses on and I started reading the Bible through them glasses, hallelujah, it all started making such sense. This is why I don't want to lay them down. This is why I don't want to give them up. My goodness, why don't I want to go back to Pentecost? Why don't I want to go back to that mess that I was in? Hallelujah. I've been back there. I've done eight them old shucks. I don't want shucks no more. Brother, I've moved into roost time. I'm not eating shucks. I'm eating the seed by my Boaz dropping it on purpose for me. The rays or the beams of the sun in its brightness is really what we know the sun by, but in reality we've never seen the face of the sun. We see the effigy or the reflected image of the sun which flow from it and its glory, and its brightness. You see, the meaning is that your God would be represented as the image of the Son himself. Watch how the psalmist phrases this, Psalms 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Well, you need to hang on to this and slap the old devil right in the face with it every now and then. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, you notice there's an adjective here. He didn't say he wouldn't hold anything, but no good thing. Malachi 4, 2, but unto you that fear not name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. So here, God identifies himself 
as a son. And his manifestation is that the rays come permeating from the sun. What are the rays? The sun rays or the son of God. The sunbeam is the visible glory. For us to behold the eternal, we couldn't do it. It would blind us. But we see his rays reflected through the sun. Hallelujah. So Christ is the radiance of the light. He is the brightness of the spiritual luminary object of the great eternal. So when we look at him, we see the grace of God, the mercy of God, the power of God. Amen. In him, the character of God is truly known. Without him, we can't understand God. We really can't even have a true love for God only through the rays as the rays permeate our heart. You see, the rays that come from the eternal is God's love wrapped up in sonship, in son form. And them rays, what do they do? They wrap around the coldness and the hardness of our soul and the hardness of our heart. And it begins to warm us and break away all that evil and all that unrighteousness. What does the sun do out here? My goodness, the rocking around of the sun. And we got the beautiful green grass and the flowers and the trees and the vegetables in your garden and so on and so on and so on. And it just does it day after day after day. What brings it forth? Well, the dirt was already there. The tree was already there. You may have done had the seed in your house, but the sun had to be at the right, praise God, had to be at the right angle. It had to be in the right season. So is it with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, oh, hallelujah, the Holy One that was able to project those rays and you were so hard, you didn't know if there was a God. You hated God and you didn't know this and that and the other. All of a sudden, the beam just kind of come down with, oh, oh, you see, ooh. 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 Ooh, that feels pretty good. I didn't think I liked that sunshine. Now, brother, sister, this is the kind of tan we need to get. Son of man tan. It don't cause cancer. It don't cause you to chafe on your skin. <laughs> It'll bring you into rightness and maturity. And what would it cause you to do? It'll give you heart. It'll give you a heart, a believing heart, a loving heart to cool back to the eternal from where those rays emanate from. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's Paul says, I'll share it in the morning. But saw Paul talking about his manifestation. He's the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. This is the same word that Jesus uses in the book of Matthew when they're asking him about paying taxes. And Jesus says, give me a coin. So somebody hands him a coin. He holds it up and says, whose image and superscription is on this coin? They said, Caesar's. But was that Caesar? Yes, but no. 
if you smack that coin, did you smack Caesar? Yes and no. Now, depending on who saw you, if a Jew saw you, he'd probably. But if a Roman saw you, he may slam you in the jail. Why? Because with that image on there, where'd that image come from? The mint. Someone made that image and then they imprinted it. This is the Greek word, character. The word means the exact impression as when metal is pressed into a die or as a seal upon wax. The character or image is that by which all the likeness becomes manifest. Now you've seen it in seals where they put it in there. I'm set up where I can license ministers and I've licensed brothers all over the world where they can go to jails and prisons and all that. And I will print them out a certificate of license and print their name out on it. And then I get a little gold seal. And it has in there, I got it years and years ago actually when I was down in Kentucky, come through the state of Kentucky, which the church down there is a 501c3. So I got it set up. And in this, I had this seal printed. Now I buy those at a at office supply, and they're just a little small thing about this big around, a gold seal, sticky on one side. Have nothing at all on it except gold, a little feather type edge all the way around it. I put it on the edge of that paper, I sign my name. Then I pull this mechanism out, it's a little silver looking thing, and I slide that piece of paper with that seal in between this tiny little thing like this. Now it has on there, Donnie Reagan Revivals Incorporated. Now this recognized with the federal government. You can put it up if you like. Whenever I put that in there and I slide it in my hand like this, that gold seal takes on the image or the impression or the character of what's in my hand. Now it could have had take on the impression of whatever more. People buy them at the same place that I do. But it will take on the image according to what's in the impression, impression of it. Oh, can't you see what happened to you? One day you slid between the devil and all his sin. You took on the image of a drunk and a liar and a whoremonger and a thief and whatever more. And you bore that image in you through and through. Now when I pull that out, not only does it seal that little gold foil but it goes through the front side of that paper, it goes through the back side of that paper, and the bottom part of this little mechanism is solid, a little type of silicone type thing. And it will allow the upper part, the capping part, to go all the way through the paper, through three layers, and seal it through and through. Hallelujah. It's sealed through and through. Now that means somebody did not get my into my software and be able to print that out. John Doe is a messenger, a uh, minister, and Betty Doe is a minister. Anybody knows me? Notice I wouldn't. I will sure wouldn't license Betty. But you know what? Unless they've got that seal on there, it's not actually identified with the United States government. But once that seal is there, brothers in Africa, brothers all over the states and penitentiaries are able to get in there and they'll show them that and they'll let them go in and have jail services or prison services because it's recognized. Hallelujah. This is what the Lord Jesus was, but he doesn't want to stop there. He wants to slide me and you 
now in between the press of the Holy Ghost and clamp down and press His image in our soul. Praise be to God. It not only affects our soul, it affects our mouth, it affects our ears, it affects our eyes, it affects our tongue, it affects our walk, it affects our talk. Praise the Lord. We're sealed through and through until the day of redemption. Praise be to God. Don't you love Him with all your heart? Praise be to God. Reconciliation through kenosis. Can you imagine Him being willing to humble Himself from that great pre-existence to come into the womb of a woman and become a tiny cell that was so small it would take a microscope to find it. That tiny created blood cell mixed with a tiny created egg which was not released from her. They came together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So in reality, no matter what he asks us, if he wants your cigarettes, it might be hard on you. But if he takes cigarettes, he's going to give you something better. No matter what he takes from you, he's got something much better for you. If we can just look at it the right way. Let's bow our hands if you would. Oh, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. For my complainings, my grumbling. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, when my burden becomes heavy, becomes difficult. Lord, I, I don't want to go out in the world. I don't want to drink. I don't want to do those things. But Lord, I have to be honest and say, I've said so many times, I wish this wasn't my cross. I wish this wasn't my spot. Oh, why couldn't I stay down in Kentucky and just pastor that little church down there? It's still there. Just kept my family there and been happy. Hardly nobody knew me. Just lived a little simple life. Forgive me, Lord. That might have been easier on me, but that wasn't what you wanted. Lord, I pray you'd help me. You give up so much for me. What is my name? My character? My reputation? Is my reputation so high and so well thought of by me that I wouldn't be willing to give it up for you and your word? Are my feelings so important? that I wouldn't want people to talk about me and run me down and tell lies on me or my feelings got such value that I'd say, Jesus, I'll preach for you. I'll even pastor if you want me to, but do I have to be ridiculed, Lord? I mean, after all, all I have is my character, Lord. Man, I leave this world and people run my character down and tell lies on me. Lord, do I have to give that up? That's a pretty important thing to me, Father. 
Do I have to be misrepresented in such a way? But then, Lord, when I come to myself and I look at you, I think how you were misjudged, misrepresented. The Holy One, the matchless one, the perfect one. Hallelujah. Forgive me for my complaining, Lord. Forgive me for my grumbling, Lord Jesus. If I have to suffer for you, if I've got to be ridiculed for your name, hated and despised, help me to bear it, Lord God, with thanksgiving in my heart. You knew it'd be hard on us, so you told your disciples when your name is cast out as evil, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus. May you minister to all of us that are here and those that are streaming and those that will go back and watch the service. For me, you may ask one thing. For another man, you may ask something else. For these folks that are here in the building tonight, you may ask something totally different. But there's not a doubt in my mind you will ask something of all of us. And it will be something of value. Something that we really don't want to part with. Oh, Jesus, help us to be willing, Lord. I love you, Lord. As they're playing the song, You Became Me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking my place that I could take yours. Oh, Lord, we bless your name tonight, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we worship you. Hallelujah. That I, through his love, could take you. became me that I might become him a grace oh he became me thank you Lord that I might become him a son of God praise God a child of God. Oh, He became me. Yes, Lord. That I might become Him by grace. Oh, He took my place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I through His love the Lord Jesus praise the Lord Jesus praise the Lord Jesus praise the Lord Jesus thank you Father can we just worship him a little bit saints tonight before we go aren't you glad he did aren't you glad he took your place that he can make you the righteousness of God he oh he the almighty 
bring me a sinner that I might then become him by grace. Oh, he became me that I This song, as Brother Donnie was was preaching, I'm going home, I'm going where I belong. Amen. Going somewhere I've already been. Tonight when we leave here, we'll go home. You won't go to somebody else's house, you'll go to your own home. We're going to somewhere we've already been. Amen. Are you longing to go there tonight? Oh, I'm going home. Oh, I'm going. 
sing this little song, keeps Oh, one day I'm going to take a step oh, towards the mouth the offered me. One day I'm going to take another step oh, towards the mouth the offered me.
Fire.